0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 23rd of February, 2023. I am Stephen Scott and we are here at the Zero Project Conference in Vienna, Austria for day two of the conference, which our coverage continues right now. You're listening
0: to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, from the Zero Project Conference held at the United Nations in Vienna, Austria, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest.
1: Yes, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you again. Sean Priest is still in his bed in a dining room in Manchester, England. What a bizarre start to any show frankly but it's true that's where you are right it
2: is and to be honest with you Stephen, it sounds like you should be in bed as well because i'm always in awe of you obviously before we started recording you sounded i'll be honest like you were half dead and listen to you now <laughs> oh what a what a profession what a broadcaster you are sir
1: yeah i have to tell you, coffee is an incredible thing if you don't know the power of coffee sean you need to learn quickly the power of coffee you don't drink coffee do you <laughs>
2: I don't know. I'm purely a tea man, but um, I'm (laughs) interested. I want to know what you've been up to. Why you're so tired?
1: Well, do you know it's just been a really busy couple of days, and you know we've we've talked to so many people. And the interesting thing is. We've got so many interviews, and a lot of them are never going to probably get to air because we've just got so much content. Well, there's so many people there, so many interesting people there, right? Yeah, there is. And I think that's the thing about this. There are so many interesting people, and everybody I talk to, I think, wow, I could interview you. Oh, I'd love to interview you. But honestly, I could probably spend a year talking to all these people and never really finish the job. It's incredible. And I think what's most impressive, and I think the thing that stands out for me, Touched on it yesterday, but I think the thing that really stands out is is the truly global nature and the impact of technology globally. We kind of forget, especially in the West. I think we kind of we we get so so used to complaining about you know teams isn't working properly or you know this has got a bug in it. This piece of software is not working properly, and in some countries they're saying. We don't even have the technology. We can't afford the technology. Can we deal with that issue? Yeah,
2: there's no access at all in some places, right? And yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it, it's even, as well. will listen in some of the interviews, I think it's really interesting that sharing uh, a lot of people in different places don't know some things that we th- take for granted. You know, some of the technologies or some of the accessibility features that we think, well, everyone knows about that. This is a perfect example. Getting together and sharing. Actually, not everyone knows about certain, uh, you know, accessibility features that we think everyone does know. It's it's really interesting.
1: That's right. And I think what's interesting is the answers are coming from places you might not expect. I think again, that's the thing about this conference. You know, because it is a truly global conference, and I think it's one of the very few, if any. I don't think there are any other conferences like this in the world where, literally, from every corner of the world, people are here talking about disability. Now, technology is part of that. But a lot of it is social issues. A lot of it is the challenges that we as disabled people face on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's employment issues. It's all of that stuff. It's all the reality, essentially, of being disabled, right? Where yeah. Whatever your disability is. And, you know, I think what's interesting is that even though our experiences as disabled people differ, and they do because, you know, even, even amongst the blindness community, you know, someone who's totally blind will feel something very different to... And experience something totally different to someone who has some vision. Versus, you know, you know, it's it's that yeah, kind that's of. Right. Di- there's differences in the even within a specific subset of disability. But then when you broaden that out, there are themes. There are. I mean, technology is one. Employment is the other. Access to education, access to information. Yeah, all of these things apply. So yeah, it's really interesting. And today on the show, we're going to be hearing from uh, someone who uh, an area actually we don't talk a lot about on this show. We probably should talk more about it. and. The conversation I've had with um, with this person, I think, is, is going to highlight that. Uh, we're going to talk about banking because you and I both know I, I recently changed bank and yes. I did it with trepidation and hope. <laughs> yes. You know, that is the app was going, going to be accessible. accessible? Yeah, exactly. The right? website. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Am I going to be able to, if I call up for assistance or help, am I going to get through to a human or do I have to speak to a robot for the next three years? Uh, And that's the thing, right? So we're going to talk today to Monica Ackerman from Scotiabank in Canada. So they're talking about the work they're doing at Scotiabank to make sure that their services are more accessible. But actually, beyond that, also making sure they employ disabled people in the roles so that someone who calls up and is disabled gets through, then, you know, there's a good chance they might actually speak to someone disabled. That's a good thing, right? Wow. How often
2: does that happen?
1: Never. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, okay. A couple of maybe examples of that I would think of immediately is Microsoft. You know, you call up the Disability Answer Desk. You know, I don't know if you're speaking to someone disabled, but they certainly know what you're talking about. So yeah. there's one example of, of that. Yeah. And and that's where you want to get to, you know. Uh, we're also going to be talking today to Tammy Margalit. Uh She has uh, been, uh, is part of a company uh, which is providing a web tool, a plug-in tool for companies. This is not on sale to us. This would be on sale to business, And you build it into your website and it makes language more understandable. Because, you know, sometimes you read something online and you think, you know, it's a bit maybe convoluted or it feels a little bit wordy and you're not entirely sure what the wording means because it could almost be so confusing to be vague.
2: Yeah. Oh, exactly. I need this in real life. Never mind, just on the digital realm. I need this for every someone talks to with... me. I stayed in a hotel. Someone read uh, the menu out to me. I had no idea what anything oh, was. I, know. I needed it simplified. I needed it in layman's terms. I needed it in plain English. And, and that's what this that does. It's it's amazing.
1: So we're gonna we're gonna get to that today. We're gonna have that conversation today with uh, Monica and also with Tammy. We'll, we'll get Matt Monica on in just a moment. Uh, but. Um... Like I said, lots of interesting conversations I've been having. So we'll get to those today. Later, we're going to hear about a project called Mouse for All. Um, that may be coming up either today or tomorrow. I honestly can't remember what we're doing today on the show. <laughs> I, I'm so tired. It's beyond belief. But we're going to be talking to a company called Mouse for All, which is really interesting, actually, because that's all about how you can use com- computers. But more importantly, or more likely, touch screens, tablets, that kind of thing, if you have no ability to touch the screen. Okay. Um, Now, we know a little bit about this through switch control, and there's lots of tools already that exist. But, you know, the hardware sometimes that goes with that, we forget about that aspect of it. There has to be sometimes hardware physical switches. Um, Although, again, there's some really interesting work going on to make, and and this will come up on tomorrow's show. We're going to be talking with Christopher Patno from Google. He talks about how facial uh, AI, essentially facial AI, will allow us to be able to use our face as a switch. I mean... Wow, that's just beyond me. My face right? looks like a switch, so
2: yeah, why not?
1: <laughs> well, I, I think I close my eyes a lot when I'm sitting. Sometimes when I'm really concentrating on mm. something, I, I really screw my eyes tight shut, and I think I don't really want my my computer to get confused. <laughs> oh, shut down Windows now. Then okay, bye bye. Oh, format what? Save. Yeah, <laughs> save save nothing. Okay, great, thanks. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's loads of stuff going on, and this is the this is the thing. And there's little pockets. Of you know, as as these conversations come along, these little pockets of knowledge come up, and you kind of think, I must remember that, I must talk about that in the show, and tell people about this. And that's what that's what's brilliant about it. So yes, I am tired, but yes, you are. There is a well lot of great you. stuff going on, and uh, hoping we're relaying it well here. Well, also going to get to your feedback as well. Lots of you sending in your feedback, and I like to make sure we keep in on the inbox, so we're going to get to that today as well. First up, though, I think let's let's bring in Monica Ackerman. So Monica is from Scotia Bank. In fact, you know what? Let let's Mon- let Monica introduce herself.
3: Sure. I'm Monica Ackerman, and I'm Head of Accessibility at Scotiabank in, based in Canada.
1: Well, welcome to Double Tap. Uh, tell us all about your role, because, I mean, honestly, there's so much I could ask you, but I think it might be better for you to give me a bit of an insight first into what you do. What, what is a Head of Accessibility at Scotiabank?
3: Uh, I'm really lucky to have this position, uh, and uh, what I'm what I'm working with my team on is developing an overarching strategy around accessibility for the bank.
1: Yeah. Okay. And what does that look like? Because I guess there's so many aspects to this, right? Disability is not just one thing. There are so many groups of disabled people, different needs, crossover needs. There must, it must be a challenge,
3: in you a know, good way? <laughs> in a great way. In a great way. Um, uh, the We started really in digital accessibility in our Scotia Digital Organization, where we're embedding accessibility into all of our software design practices. And through there, um, we're able to expand out to say, okay, what else is there in terms of serving our customers? You know, how else can we... Um, Uh, influence and educate around how important accessibility is, not only for our customers, but also for our employees. And where are there opportunities in that digital space and that service space to create fully inclusive experiences? And then um, uh, along with that is we've got regulations. So in you know, Ontario, we have the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. And in Canada, we now have the Accessible Canada Act. And uh, as a federally regulated organization uh, for banking, that, those laws help to create a bit of a framework around which we can then um, focus our priority work around accessibility.
1: It's interesting you put it like that, because I think some people might look at regulation as the stick versus the carrot approach, But what you're saying is actually what it does is it gives us a a sense of a framework as to how we can actually make our business more accessible. Because that's the thing. And it's okay to say that, isn't it? As an organization, it's okay to say we don't know. We need some assistance here to figure this out, to know what we need for our customers, what we yeah. need for our employees.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we have that sort of uh, foundation or the, uh, to work with, whether it's a standard, then, it, you know, what you can do is you can take that and you can... Take a look at your own business and say, how does that align with our business? Mm-hmm. You know, how might we innovate in this space? And so really the accessibility regulations and the standards, the way that I look at them, um, provide that ground framework of where do we start?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because obviously there are two sides to this. Absolutely. There's the employees and then there's the customers. Let's start with employees. So what have you been doing at Scotiabank to, to make it a more accessible place to, I guess, work and also to... Get job.
3: Uh, we have amazing partners in HR and so we have a bit of a hub and a spoke uh, model where our eight, uh, human resources group is a leading accessibility for the employee experience. And we look at it from, you know, from the moment that you uh, consider working at the bank. So mm. before employment, all the way through recruitment and onboarding, um, are those processes accessible? Is the careers website accessible? Um, uh, and then once you get into actual employment, uh, then you know there is that challenge of uh, accessible applications. Uh, you know, a lot of these uh, products that employees use, they are enterprise products that uh, are procured, and so working with uh, um, you know vendors to say, how do we make this application more accessible so that if uh, let's say you have vision loss and you use JAWS or you're using something like Zoom Text or Freedom Print magnif- uh, Zoom Text or um, well, any Fusion, magnification, any magnification yeah, yeah, program, yeah. is Screen it actually well, going to work in your job? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm that's interesting because by talking to the vendor you're actually enabling other businesses to then buy in an accessible product because when the next company comes along and says hey we would like to use your product well hang on does this fit in with our regulations and everything else they can say well actually it does because we've done great work with scotia bank and we've talked to them and they've helped us make it more accessible so actually instead of it just being a scotia bank solution it's a solution that can help everybody in a
3: sense and uh That's how we approach it. So in uh, Canada, we have a wonderful um, uh, group where the um, accessibility teams from a lot of the uh, major banks come together. And, um, uh, you know, we have conversations with our vendors and say it's not just one bank, it's multiple banks. It's many of your customers that are Mm -hmm. requesting some of the same things. And so it's really interesting because accessibility is one of those spaces where – People collaborate. We're all working towards the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing that—that's that, the one true thing about accessibility. It brings people together. Absolutely. There's no competition in a sense. I mean, there are, there's always competition. There's always brings, company, yeah, yeah, of course, and that brings us to the second point around customers. Yep. Because you want customers. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Right? You're a bank. You want customers. Every business needs customers. So you want customers, and you can bring in a lot more customers if you have more products that are accessible. Now, for someone who's blind, for example, like myself. Mm-hmm. I know the experience of signing up to a new bank and Mm -hmm. having a fear around whether or not the application, because everything's apps nowadays, so is the app going to be accessible to me as a blind user? Mm -hmm. And that is often a concern. And it's it's, it's one of those things as well where I feel there's no way you can just download and demo an application with a bank. You have to sign up, you have to go through the process and then realize it all at the end or hope you know someone who's blind who can tell you first. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, as soon as, and this is the case in our community, as you'll, know yourself here, it's often people talking to each other. Once the name is known, I, hang on, you need to go and get a Scotiabank you know, account because they have all the most accessible apps yeah. then suddenly everyone will <laughs> flock over right. there because that's how it works mm-hmm. that, it literally is how it works. In some ways it's quite archaic but it's quite profound as well because it, it shows that there is a real desire for services and everything else and we want to be as connected to the world as everyone else and why shouldn't we be? So Is that something you're taking into account? Is that something you're working on at your bank to make sure that customers get that experience, get that accessible experience across apps, across service, across everything?
3: Absolutely. Um, so uh, the apps uh, and our banking applications are designed according to the WCAG standards. Um, we regularly do user research with people with disabilities, and um, when it comes to nothing about us without us, uh, you know, the members of the accessibility team have a wide range of disabilities, including vision loss. And so, as uh, as leaders in accessibility themselves, there is that um, that pride of of ownership and that desire to ensure that anything that we are putting out, we can use ourselves, that our staff can use themselves.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, are you an awardee here as well?
3: Uh, not this year, no.
1: Not this year. Well, not, mm-hmm. not this year. Not
3: this year, yeah.
1: But so, so what is your thing here? What are you wanting to do here? Do you want to just soak up what people are saying, take back learning? Because that's really what the Zero Project is about, isn't it?
3: Yeah, um, what, what I, I, there's so many things that I love about this conference. I love the fact that uh, this is truly an international conference. Uh, there are people from all over the world that are here that are talking about the, the accessibility initiatives in their countries at the level of maturity that their countries are at. Um, uh, previously, uh, I was working with another organization, uh, Disability Rights Promotion International, and we were doing employment in Bangladesh, India and Nepal. And um, the, you know, the, the tactics are a little bit different. The goals are the same. But just seeing that there is this wide, wide range of uh, maturity across the world and that it's not always the global north that has the answers, you know, that we, that we, we uh, that there are many, many learnings that can be shared through all of our countries in order to leapfrog and actually really um, achieve uh, equity, you know, whether it's um equity in education equity in employment uh equity in in services that as there is no one person no one group no one company that does it right but uh all combined then i think that we are all going to be able to to reach that uh pinnacle of accessibility
1: and of course when you go back home you work with the cnib
3: yes i do uh, and
1: what's been that partnership what's oh it's great
3: like? actually um uh Just this uh, past December, uh, Scotiabank announced a renewed partnership with the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And uh, we're working very closely with them on the Come to Work program um, as well. And uh, just seeing how can we advance employment for people with disabilities, with people with vision loss, not only at the bank, but also supporting the the Come to Work program more broadly.
1: Well, the numbers of of disabled people out of work is is just shocking, frankly. And any opportunities should be open, and it's great to hear that they're becoming open. Monica, it's lovely, really great to meet you here at at the conference. Thank you for uh, being on Double Tap with us. Thank you very much. Really interesting to learn about how banking is being made more accessible. Thanks to uh, Monica Ackerman there, of course, for coming on from uh, Scotiabank. Great to to learn about that. Sean, you know, banking is always a bit of a challenge, right? And uh, like I said, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, sometimes you get nervous when you're making that decision to switch because you wonder, you know, if the bank will... You know, be available, will be accessible. Will the app work? Will the website, like you were saying earlier? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's good and- to hear that Scotia Bank are actually, you know, making some effort here.
2: Well absolutely. and you know accessibility, <clears throat> excuse me, accessibility should be on the you know the forefront of of any service like this because it is an essential service. we, we, we you know everyone yes. needs to be able to access their finances and if you can't, purely because you know it's not accessible for whatever reason, then it, it, it's basically you know it, it's a, a real shame.
1: and uh, yeah, it sounds great. although I think all this, and then I think to myself, how many times do I check my bank account a day nowadays? So probably once a day at least. I check my bank, and I think I remember before there was apps. I would I would barely ever know what was in my account. Yeah, you know, well, and, I, until I, I never used my card it. and it never worked.
2: Yeah, no, it scares me. I I stay away <laughs> from it. But uh, you know, every now and again, you got to send money to people and things like that, and it is important. And you shouldn't have to stay with a bank purely because it's the only one that's accessible, right? Or you're frightened of switching to another one because it may not be accessible. That's that's not how it should be.
1: No, but that's an interesting point, actually, because I did say in that interview, of course, that you know when when the word gets out that a product is accessible, you know, yeah. blind people will not they'll follow, but they'll think, oh well, that's good, it's accessible, we'll use that service then. Yeah, but absolutely. That, that does kind of lead to then just that one company having the monopoly on blind customers, and I you know, like some choice, right? Maybe maybe the other banks got you know better rates or. You know, whatever it might be. So you want some choice out there. So yeah, really interesting. Anyway, let's move on because I want to talk about the web. Now, I don't know about you, but I find plain English is good, especially since I struggle with basic English. Uh, Plain English (laughs) is even better. And that is exactly what Tammy Margolit has uh, founded, essentially, as a web tool. And she's here now to tell us all about it. Tammy, why don't you introduce yourself?
4: My name is Tammy Margolit. I'm from Tel Aviv, Israel. And I'm a co-founder of Asat. We developed an uh, algorithm that simplifies text, audio, and video for people with, that have uh, has trouble to understand the uh, content, all kinds of content.
1: Okay, so explain that to me. What does that mean in practice?
4: To buy something in uh, Amazon, maybe, yeah. um, to order uh, food, to read a paper, a digital paper. Yeah. Um, it's just a pop-up. When you put the cursor on the paragraph, you can't understand. Um, it pops up, um, understandable.
1: So it's like a plain English or plain, plain language. Plain, easy, yeah. easy language.
4: Yeah. Our machine is trained by the easy, easy Read method. The Easy Read method is, uh, I think it was, uh, is it's from the UK. It's a set of rules mm. that um, explains uh, how to ex- uh, explain language for people that can't understand. I can give you um, an example, like if um, it it will say, uh, "Please remain seated until the show ends." Yeah. Oh, that's hard for a one with disability to understand. So it will say. Don't get up until the show ends.
1: Yeah, it's, it's making the language just simpler to, Simple. to get, right? yeah. Wouldn't it just be easier in life, Tammy, if people just spoke in plain English, right? yeah. or plain language at least,
4: <laughs> you know, in yeah. their
1: own language? I mean, even in their own language, it would be, just be easier if people spoke plainly. But there is something about English that just seems to be...
4: It's not all English. It's, no, it's not. It's, it's in Hebrew also. Yeah,
1: yeah. So this is a web, is this a website or, a, or an app that you download? How do you get no, that uh, overlay okay. or that pop-up?
4: So... We we believe that the the providers are are responsible for making their content understandable. Got you. So we are B two B. We don't sell it to the end user. They have to get it for free. But uh, we believe it's it's for everybody. It's we started from the disability, mm. but we discovered that everybody can use. I can. Oh, I I'm a couple of days ago. I wanted to buy a TV. Um, uh, On a Hebrew website, it's my language, yeah? Mm. Um, But it said on the TV, it said um, in English, not in Hebrew, smart TV, HDMI, HDR, 39 inch. The, The word inch was written in Hebrew. Well, thank you. But all the rest in English and even an English speaker, HDMI, HDR, um Yeah, whatever, the, yeah, whatever. All these, all these acronyms, yeah. yeah i took the our uh technology and i put the cursor on the, the and it just said this is a 39 inch smart tv with sharp view and that's all you need that's all i needed
1: yeah that's all you want what to do know?
4: i care yeah hdmi hdr
1: and you may want to know that information but but equally you you know
4: maybe I want to know is that top it maybe level it, it? Um, who wants to know it so it's okay but maybe my mother yeah she's not disabled but she, but she doesn't yeah if she wants to buy something she doesn't care
1: I think that's the point though, isn't it It that
4: has two HDMI uh yeah. connection who cares
1: Yeah but but um, that's the point isn't it that oftentimes solutions that come up for People who are disabled often come up and can actually yeah. be really useful. Sliding doors, automatic sliding doors, the the electric toothbrush, the
4: elevator,
1: elevators. I mean, these well, were all out the of the elevator
4: needs. was for the the disabled. Yeah. Now we have buildings. Now everyone's using them. Wow! Wow! <laughs> we have uh, forty floor buildings. We couldn't exactly. do it.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's incredible. So tell us more about how people can find out because obviously you're as you say you're selling business to business, but. Yeah. How can business find out if a business is listening to this and saying, hey, that sounds cool, I'd like to implement that onto my website? Because English-speaking language, you're going to get a lot of options now. Yeah. How do people find out more?
4: Um, uh, first of all, in our website, um, asat-tec.com. Um, this is our website. And um, I also uh, in the website you can also find examples for audio and video
5: um, okay.
4: simplification. And audio and video we can uh, put automatically, also automatically in one click button. Uh, uh, you can also um, get a um, new audio track.
1: So that will actually speak out the information as well as 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 audibly, spe- as, 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 as well as written.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for coming on and telling I us about Thank you it.
4: so much. It was so fun.
1: So there you go. Plain English, Sean. Um, that's something we don't need to teach you about.
2: No, exactly. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know where to take that as a compliment or an insult. No, sounds fantastic. and so useful. right? I can think of so many times where, and not just for disability, as Tammy said there, absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, definitely. Right, look, stick around. We have got more conversations coming up. We're going to be talking uh, to a company called Mouse for All, finding out about how they are making technology more accessible to people who can't physically touch touch touchscreens. Because you might, as you know, we could be forgiven for thinking, well, hang on, if you can't, if you've no hands, how do you touch a touchscreen? How does that work? It's a great question, and we'll get the answer to it coming up, plus more of your feedback on Double Tap next.
0: Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Broadcasting from the Zero Project Conference in Vienna, Austria. Now, back to the
4: show.
1: Welcome back. This is Double Tap, and it's Stephen Scott with Sean Priest today as we continue our conversation on the Zero Project conference here today. Sean, it's been a really interesting event. I wish you'd been here.
2: So do I. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, sadly, I couldn't have made it anyway with my leg, but... Um I, I want to ask you something. Where's Mr. F?
1: Well, do you know what? Mr. F isn't with us today. Well, he is around here somewhere, but I'm not going to lie. You know, he's, he's a big... <laughs> Has he dumped you? He, I think he's decided to go back to being a mythical figure. Really? Mm. Why? What
2: did you do to him? <laughs> no, he's just... Mean, it's, it's, was the it's show not, that bad yesterday? It's nothing yesterday. to do with me. Uh, I know we got
1: the day wrong, but... Um... Yeah, we did get the day wrong. Yes, apologies <laughs> yesterday. If you if you tuned in yesterday and you thought, hang on, is it Tuesday? If you ever do that thing where someone says to you, what day is it? And then someone gives you the answer and it's the wrong day. You spend the whole day questioning it with other people, yes. don't you? That yes, is how it correct. works. Uh, but yes, um, it is definitely, today is Thursday. Uh, yesterday was Wednesday. I may have got that okay. wrong. Apologies.
2: No, yeah, but no one picked up on it. it neither me or Mr. F even noticed, that. So nope. it's fine. Do
1: you, know who, do you know who told me about it? Who? Mark Aflalo. <laughs> oh, of, of course. He picks up... Always criticising. Thank you, Mark. I don't think he was even criticising. He, he was just aware. He was laughing. He was just aware of it. He said, you know... He, he actually said himself, he said, I actually no question what day it is, thanks to that, so... <laughs> I, my only purpose here is to confuse people. Um, listen, we're going well to talk. <laughs> we're going to talk now to a company who have created a fantastic solution for people who struggle to use touchscreen devices. Uh, we've got Javier with us, and uh, Javier,
6: would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? I'm Javier Montaner. I'm co-founder of Mouse for All.
1: Thank you so much for being here with us on Double Tap today. Great
6: to meet you. Thank you. For so, inviting me.
1: Well, look, tell me all about Mouse for All. Tell us what that is and what that. Project is all about?
6: Okay, mouse all is an assistive technology project that we started like six, seven years ago. We're a small Spanish company. And we both founders come from the technology field. So we found a problem uh, with persons with uh, disabilities Is everybody was moving into the mobile world, uh, always on connectivity. But uh, they were being left behind. Mm. Some of them had issues because of their visual uh, disability. So they could not see the screen. But we focus on another problem is persons that could not touch the screen. So persons with physical disabilities that could not use their hands to interact with the screen. Uh, So we saw the problem and we thought, okay, maybe we can sort it out, we can use technology to help uh, solve this problem, and then we dived into we dove into that uh, problem, and we found a solution. And then we started uh, trying it with uh, real users, so persons with disabilities, and with the feedback, uh, we moved from a small prototype to a real product, and that's where we are tonight today.
1: That's incredible, because of course the problem is touch screens. Yeah. You inherently have to be able to touch the device in order to use it. In the same way that with a smart speaker, you have to speak to it. It's all built on assumption a little bit that you can speak, you can touch, you can do all these things. With your product, you're aiming to help someone be able to touch that screen without actually physically being able to touch it. So how does that work practically?
6: Yes, as you, as you said, uh, our users cannot touch the screen, so we need to find out a different way to interact with the phone or with the tablet. So what we do is we use uh, switches or buttons. They are really like small buttons that can be clicked uh, with their hand, with their chin, the back of their head, their foot, any part of the body. So they are different form factors and sizes, so they can suit a- a- everybody. Um, basically, with just a click on, on this switch, on this button, we can translate that into actions or gestures on the screen. So just by clicking uh, uh, that switch, um, uh, our app uh, translates that into actions like touching the screen or swiping the screen up and down, like drag and dropping, uh, even typing on the screen.
1: Yeah, essentially you're replicating the touch experience with with the switch that is able to replicate what happens on on the device, right?
6: Yeah, and an important point of our solution is we don't create new apps. So our users use the same apps than everybody else. That's interesting. So they use WhatsApp, they use Facebook. They don't need a new Facebook. They don't want to have a different environment. No. So that's uh, very important, and that's how we can achieve social inclusion because our users are using and interacting uh, with the same social networks as their friends, their families.
1: Were you able to use any of the existing accessibility functions that are many of course built into devices like tablets, like smartphones that that you know you can have switch and motor support. Does that help you build the product that allows someone to be able to interact? Because oftentimes yeah. the, the, the feature is there, but I guess you need something like your product in order to be able to action what is, is being done there. What is being,
6: yes, in fact, is our solution is uh, based on Android technology. So we support every Android smartphone or tablet, and we rely on the APIs that uh, Google provides for accessibility.
1: I was going to ask you about that. Is that because you have more access to... The tools to be able to create this through, uh, well, through Apple, one through of Google? the
6: reasons why we chose uh, Android as the platform for our solution was first that there were some apis at the time we started uh, there were not that many, so we had to really uh, think hard mm. how to solve some of the problems, yeah but they have improved a lot since a lot since then, and they really have accessibility apis that we can rely on. So basically, they also have their own accessibility service and solutions. But what we do is we build on top of that. We try to get a more individualized, personalized experience to our users.
1: And you said that you spent time with the disabled community. I mean, it sounds in some ways obvious when you say it out loud. But of course, many people come up with solutions without even speaking to a disabled person. So, you know, I guess that... Heavily influenced the design of your product.
6: Well, definitely. from From the very beginning, we were talking to them. and We were testing uh, uh, the product, uh, the prototypes with them, and we were getting their feedback. Sometimes it was positive. Sometimes it was it was negative. Yeah. So as you said, we had great ideas. And you need but, that, uh, right? but You need that. Yeah. Well, that, for us, that's a, 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 well, not a negative feedback, but a not so positive feedback. Yeah. It's much better than uh, very nice feedback. Well, there's no it's, point everyone
1: telling you it's yeah. great. You need mm-hmm. to know what's wrong with it in order so, to fix
6: it. And in fact, many of the features that we have on the product right now is are coming from the feedback that we've got from our users. So that's that's been very important for us from the from the very beginning.
1: Now you're an awardee here, so congratulations first off on that. That is fantastic. How did that feel?
6: Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, well, it feels really great. It's like a recognition of what we are doing. Yeah. When would you work on? assistive technology or you work uh, with disabled persons uh, sometimes it's very difficult to see that what you are doing is being recognized by, by the world. Yeah. Our users definitely recognize it but uh, you don't get that uh, uh, feedback from the rest of the world so uh, conferences like this one, the zero conference um, prices like the awards like the one we're getting Really help us to keep moving, so we are really grateful for that.
1: So we're talking about this today as a product that people can can purchase now.
6: Yeah, uh, and in fact, uh, when we started, it was also because of the technology available at that time, the APIs that Google provided at that time, required specific hardware that we developed. So we have a little connection box uh, that is required to use that was required to use our product, and we still. Uh, producing it, and that's uh, and and, I, and that that was h- how we did it at the, at the beginning. Yeah. But we realized uh, uh, for some users, for some users in in other countries. So we are here at the Zero conference uh, uh, with people coming from all over the world. It was very difficult for them to get our box in the other part of the of, of the, of the yeah. world. Yeah. So we evolved uh, our solution, our product. So we now have one version that doesn't require our hardware. So you can use any hardware. You can even use uh, do-it-yourself hardware or switches, 3D printed using open hardware like Arduino. So you can get all the physical stuff uh, done by yourself and That's still incredible. use mouse for all. Uh, you just download the app from Google Play and then you can start using it straight away.
1: And and how much, I mean, you, you say that you can download elements in 3D print and all of that, but for people who want to buy a physical product, mm-hmm. what's the process, what's the cost?
6: Okay, well, you should contact us. Uh, well, We are based in Spain, so we have definitely distribution in Spain in most of Europe and North America and some other countries, but you, we can distribute, we'll sell it directly from from our site or from one of our distributors. And as I said, if that's not an option for you, you can look for alternatives. So we are compatible with other assistive technology products, other products that work with switches. And you can still use that uh, to control an Android tablet or smartphone using our app. And mouse for rem- all.
1: Remind us of your website again?
6: Mouse for All. So mouse number four ALL dot com. For all. Dot com.
1: Javier, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about it.
6: Thank you for having us here.
1: You know, so many interesting projects on show here at uh, Zero Project. And, you know, coming up actually this weekend, because I actually did a walk around of the, uh, the exhibit hall on Saturday's show, we're going to do that. We'll actually broadcast that so you'll get a chance to hear me. Uh, walking around, talking to a lot of interesting people about lots of interesting tech, but I mean that's just one example, right there, Sean, of how technology can really impact and and really, you know, improve the lives of disabled people, right?
2: Yeah, uh, and more than that, it gives us. You know, we 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 tend to stay in our own disability bubble, and it's, it's good to see the other side and the other technologies that are out there because, you know, as we always say, you, you never know where you're going to be any time in the future. So it's mm-hmm. great to see these technologies out there and it's something that I must admit I haven't really thought about before.
1: No, I, I didn't. And yeah. again, like you say, we stay in our bubbles. We do stay in our lane sometimes. And it's, look, it's because we know who, what our disability is. We know yeah, there's what, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, there's about, not. No, yeah. of course not. It's uh, only but, natural. But it's interesting. I remember, I think I told you this years ago, there was a, a guy I met and he was really annoyed at sighted people about something. And he said, ah, he's living sighted people you know don't know anything and you know and I said well look what do you know about you know being deaf what do you know about life in yeah. a wheelchair yeah. you know I mean it's like you can't do everything all the time and yes, you know, absolutely. I think I think that's the point right so we can't put it on other people to know absolutely everything but you know no. I will say this I had a great conversation today with a, a Persian TV channel oh um, I wasn't I, I, I'm huge in Persia And um, I was talking to this Persian TV channel uh, crew, and they were saying how they had come here to learn how they could make their content more accessible. And, of course, for that reason, they wanted to speak to accessible media, which is where I think Mr. F has gone. He's off to charm the Persians. Of course he is. um, Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia. Right there. That's it. That's his new name, Prince of Persia. (laughs) Um, P.O.P. (laughs) Pop. Stop it. God so, bless
2: yeah. you, Mr. F, just <laughs> in case he's listening. <laughs> That's
1: another career ended. So, um, yeah, but I was talking to them about this and they said, you know, we were so nervous about coming here because we did not know what kind of reception we'd get. You know, we, we, we know nothing about disability. And I said to them, look, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the fact you've even bothered to turn up and ask the question is
2: huge. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's it's the like best we- thing.
2: When, when we're talking to app developers and things, you know, it's mm. it's not so much that, you, know, that oh, you haven't even thought about accessibility. If you're willing to listen and have a conversation about it, then fantastic. Yeah, that's all we're looking for most of the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now that we get uh, lots of feedback in, of course, feedback at doubletaponair.com is our email address. One eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven is our call in number. Do you uh, want to listen to some voicemails and some emails, Sean? Of course, as long as they're nice. Well, uh, you never know, right? <laughs> I think this one, this one's nice. Let's start with Darren, who got in touch with us to, uh, to share his thoughts on some comments we made about a recent comment he made. Following? Uh-oh. Okay, here we go.
7: Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Just to say that I enjoyed the interview with the icon factory. I thought that was very interesting, actually. Oh, yeah. And secondly, an apology. Oh. The comments I made about Laura being a TTS or her her doing samples for TTS, to put her out of a job is the last thing I would ever want. (laughs) The reason I said what I said was because I think she's got an excellent reading voice and I think her being sampled as a TTS could supplement what she does for you guys and whatever else she does. But for her to be out of a job is the last thing I would want. Uh, that was never my intention when I put that message out
2: we um, know
7: it may be that uh, it was a joke and uh, yes. obviously I share in the joke if it was but that was <laughs> never ever my intention um, if anything I, I think she should uh, get more from her reading voice than what I, she got now. I think she's very good so <laughs> for her to be of a job is the last thing I would ever ever want um So if I have caused offence, I apologise. Nope. Um, That was never my intention. Um, I would never, ever want to cause offence to anyone, especially on Double Tap or any other podcast or anything for that matter. Uh, Thank you for putting my messages out, and I hope you'll continue to do so. I'm happy to leave messages every now and then. Uh, This is Alan saying bye for now, and thank you.
1: Bye. Thank you, Darren. You don't have to worry at all. Look, we just love a laugh around here, right? Yes, we were joking. We were joking. We apologise if we
2: (laughs) if we took it too far, but no, no, you can apologise. I'm not apologising. Well, my you should apologise. God bless you, Darren. No, everything's fine.
1: Hashtag God bless you, Darren. There we go. Yes, Uh, no, no. uh, Laura is uh, she's too busy to care. And look, plus the fact, you know, I will say this: uh, people may not be fully aware of this because I know lots of you will listen on AMI-audio, but lots of you will listen on podcast as well. And if you don't listen to AMI-audio, shame on you. Um, And uh, if you are not listening to AMI-audio, you may not be aware that Laura is actually one half of the voices on uh, the Guardian Daily show. Uh, Every day, Laura and Hannah both read articles from the Guardian newspaper. So, uh, you could go listen to that. And, you know, here, if you like listening to Laura, you will love that show. It's on every single day on AMI Audio. Don't ask me what time, but it's on during the day. (laughs) It's on before us, right? Honestly, it's gone a complete blank, Mr. F. Where are you when you need them? Um, But uh, yes, it is on AMI Audio every single day. So, yeah, well worth checking out. Uh, Right, let's get another uh, email in. Uh, Jennifer got in touch, and Laura, lovely Laura, reads this email.
5: Hello, Stephen and Sean. I've just listened to the weekend edition with Ian and your good selves. Could not sleep, so plugged into my Victor stream. I've been listening to you, Stephen, forever, it seems, and remember Sean joining the crew all those years ago. have been with you since Tech Talk, Blind Guy Talks Tech, and now, of course, Double Tap. <laughs> it is so helpful to listen to the chat about the sight-loss journey as most of us sighted folk who become visually impaired seem to have all the same feelings. On the tech front, I can talk the talk, but not so sure I can walk the walk. I was at a meeting about three years ago at the RNIB in London and found myself interjecting constantly about tech, and the folk at the table were most impressed, but I had to own up and say everything I know has been taught to me by Stephen and his crew. I really appreciate all the years I've been able to listen to you guys, and in the middle of the night I was laughing at some of the banter between you three. (laughs) I am a Northern Irish wench who lives in London and really enjoy the chat. I feel part of a family, and you give me great joy and laughter. I'm so glad that Sean's back, and hope he continues to recover from his ice skating prank. Hugs to you all, warmest <laughs> wishes, Jennifer.
1: Ah, oh, thank you, Jennifer.
2: That was so nice. Thank you, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. Honestly, it does seem like uh, you know we've been around a long time, Stephen.
1: I feel it today. I'm telling you, I feel it. I'm feeling that today. <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, look—you're all part of the family. That is what this is, and you know, like a family, we all have disagreements. We all have, yes. uh, you know, well, you and I, mostly. falling out. Yes, uh, but we're yes. all friends. At the end of it, it's like it's better than family, isn't it? Why? You can choose Why? it. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, right, let's get another email in. Again, read by Laura. This from Aaron. Also, I guess following up on the conversations we've been having. Uh, in the past couple of days.
5: Hi, Stephen and Sean. I really enjoyed Saturday's podcast and all of the topics discussed. I, like Stephen, don't like the identity politics because I am my own person. Just like your guest, I feel that Ira needs better competition in the space. When companies don't have competition, they tend not to innovate and rest in what success they have. Now, on to the matter of Braille. I'd like to tell a story. I was told from my local school for the blind here in Kentucky that I didn't need to learn braille because I had low vision. At that time, my vision was 2200, which is pretty good for a blindy, I think. I was about 11 at the time and was always being told by my eye doctor that I needed to prepare for my vision to get worse. So I decided I wanted to learn braille. The experience was horrible. The school fought not to teach me braille. Honestly, if schools for the blind are fighting not to teach braille to low vision kids, no wonder the perception is the way it is now. Anyway, I learned Braille and use it on the daily. As a recently unemployed senior technical recruiter within Amazon, I used Braille in my daily job. Moving around screens with JAWS and NVDA, reading resumes, reading scripts and taking notes with candidates, communicating with candidates and colleagues through various media, etc. In college, I learned how to read Braille music and forced myself to bring hard copy Braille to all rehearsals and concerts – I found I was more productive and honestly reliant on Braille. To the point that when my Braille display doesn't show up within a few seconds, I get nervous and anxious. You are never too, how should I say this, around the bend to learn Braille. My mum went to school for her Masters in Orientation and Mobility when she was 40. Unfortunately, she didn't graduate, but I saw her learning Braille and she's sighted. I joke with her all the time because she doesn't remember a thing about Braille. However, it just goes to show you that braille can be a part of your life the way you want it to be. You don't have to live up to one person's standards of blindness. I'm glad I pushed to learn braille since my vision has decreased to 2400 in my only right eye. I've developed cataracts, glaucoma and retina scarring that allow me to just see fog. So I'm not able to trust what I see, if sometimes anything at all. In regards to the Technology Anonymous podcast on Saturday... I agree that sometimes we rely on tech way too much. I'm weaning myself from using my phone for everything and getting dedicated devices for reading audio and GPS navigation, as I feel I want to use my phone as, you know, a phone. A little thought experiment. Do you think voiceover was created for people while they were roaming around in their cars? It just seems that dedicated blindness devices are more suited for us where mainstream can have all sorts of problems – I've rambled on long enough, and can only imagine what Laura will think after reading this email. right about now. May the source <laughs> be with you. God bless, Aaron Linson.
1: Well, thank you, Aaron. A lot to unpack from that, but you know, I think it just echoes a lot of the thoughts that, that Ian has, and of course, you know, it's, I think that conversation on Saturday really did stir up a lot of interesting thoughts. I know the feedback yeah. has, has, has suggested that that you know it's, it's stirred up a lot of emotion for a lot of people on this topic around the subject of Braille and learning, and, of course, on the subject of Ira as well. But uh, there we must leave it, Sean, because, as always, we are out of time. We will be back tomorrow, though. Why that went we quick. I know, I know. So quick today. But, yeah, day three tomorrow of the Zero Project conference, we're here. We'll be joined by Christopher Patno from Google. Hector Minto is going to be here from Microsoft. And uh, we'll also be meeting Darren Rowan. He's an interesting guy, talking all about how he has worked at his company to make sure that more disabled people get access to jobs and access to the systems that they need to use when they get those jobs. Uh, He is the head of accessibility at his company, so we'll talk about that tomorrow. On Double Tap, keep your feedback coming, feedback at doubletap on air.com, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. 803 4567 Sean, enjoy your rest. I will go and continue the hard work. Well done, you. You're a hero. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. (laughs) Bye-bye